This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hello, everybody. For anybody who needs to know, it is actually Wednesday, March 25th. Um, need a reminder here every now and then in this house. Uh, if days are slowly just blending into one. Uh, while everybody's locked in, we appreciate you sticking with us here on Locked On Browns. Uh, your host here, Jeff Lloyd. I'm going to sit down today. I'm going to get this from several perspectives as Brandon Leister, part of PFF. But, you know, Brandon's involved in football almost year-round out in Ohio. Um, and obviously, you know, he's got to deal with this almost firsthand as he's got a wife who works in the medical field. It's just difficult for all of us. We're just trying to make our way through here. Brandon Leister, buddy, how you doing? Doing great. How about you, Jeff? Just trying to, you know, make some sense of it. And the fact that I, you know, I'm available to do podcasts at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, just it's new. It's different. We all have our new norms. Uh, Brandon, we were talking. Now, what's the difficult thing? Now, obviously, you know, for you involved, you know, with obviously a big, you know, uh, high school football, football program out there in Ohio. This is about the time where everything starts to reconvene. You know, you start to, you know weight room work and, you know, you know, working with specific guys on a couple of specific things. What's all this like right now? I mean, from the coaching aspect and the, you know, and obviously your players that you do get to talk to. Yeah, it's a big challenge. I mean, right now we're just trying to meet as coaches on like Google hangout, you know, we can't really meet in person anymore. And then we're just uh, trying to get in touch with the players, make sure that they're doing their body weight workouts and the things that they can do at home, just making sure that they're in shape. Um, in case the football season or for for whenever the football season starts, because we don't even know, you know, when it'll start, what our summer is going to look like. So we've got to really plan on simplifying things schematically to make sure our kids can play fast when there is a season, because we might not have nearly as much prep time in the summer. But really, it's just making sure that we maintain those relationships right now um, as we prepare for whatever we have as far as summer and the season. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, in everything, I mean, there's no game plan. There's no, you know, and the other thing is, is you're, you're fighting against something that's right now got an unlimited time. So, you know, it's not like there's an expiration date. So everybody can say, okay, as of so-and-so, boom, all right, everybody ready to go. And obviously anybody in any walk of life right now, this is kind of where we're at. And, you know, for those of you that don't have the patience, I suggest you, you try to find a way to adapt guys because you can't control the uncontrollable. And that is, where we are at. Um, Brandon, let's talk a little bit here. Um, and, you know, a lot of people took this two ways with the Cleveland Browns. It was, wow, you know, look at the Browns. They went out and they went big game hunting. You know, yeah, I guess you could kind of say they went big game hunting, but they really went scheme hunting. It just so happened that two of the bigger names on the offensive side of the ball, free agency wise, were scheme fits. Yeah, I think um, they definitely got two great scheme fits. As far as Conklin, I think it was kind of a savvy move <clears throat> by the front office, just taking advantage with both contracts. Um, I think a couple of things that they took advantage of. So like with Conklin, um, great scheme fit, obviously in the wide zone scheme, solid right tackle, exactly what they needed. I think the way that they took advantage of that situation was right tackles right now are paid less than left tackles. If you just look at the market and that's kind of a market inefficiency in my opinion, because um, if you just look at the data, the value difference between a left tackle and a right tackle in the modern NFL is not really significant. But, you know, they got a solid right tackle for $14 million a year instead of having to pay them the $18 million or whatever it would be for a left tackle. So 
I think that was something that they felt they could take advantage of to start free agency. And then also Austin Hooper, you know, highest paid tight end in NFL history, I believe. But, you know, when Kelsey and Kittle and all these other tight ends get paid, his contract's probably going to look much more ordinary. And um, also that tight end market has kind of been in for a reshaping. You know, it's it's still pretty low. I know Joe Banner tweeted the other day that he thought that uh, Hooper would get a lot more money on the open market. So I think they took advantage of those two things with those two players. And as far as big game hunting, I mean, I don't know if it's that, but I think that the Browns definitely had their eye on certain players when free agency opened. They had certain targets that they wanted to go after. And Conklin, Hooper, Keenum, you know, um, Janovich, just there was a lot of guys that they wanted to go after when the period began because they felt those were solid players that would really help them. And they wanted to shore up the offense overall before they started attacking the defensive side with more uh, short-term deals. Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously defense, it was going to be a lot more of kind of just like, you know, filling the room. So it was going to be bodies Mm -hmm. after bodies after bodies. You know, offensively, they were able to get, obviously, you know, a little bit more creative. And obviously this market dictated to more than their need, uh, more to their needs. With the way this offense is going to go um, with the wide zone scheme, who, give me one player here that you, you maybe have your most reservations about as we head towards 2020 as far as you know what was going on in 19 as opposed to what's going to go on offensively in 20 um a player that I have reservations about um let's see I think uh I mean I guess there's question marks at right guard obviously I mean I I feel pretty good about the scheme fit for most of the players on offense they obviously still need a left tackle I think they need a third receiver maybe even a fourth receiver as well to compete because they have to still be able to use 11 personnel sometimes. They can't just live in 12 or 21 all the time. That's just that's not the reality of the situation. They are going to have to use 11 some. But, yeah, with Teller and Forbes, there's definitely question marks with them. I thought Teller improved as the season went on. He played better. Forbes was up and down in the preseason. Um, a lot depends on how you know Coach Callahan, the offensive line coach, feels about those two. But, yeah, I think that's definitely the question mark on offense right now. Um, other than left tackle. Um, obviously, Najoku needs to have a big year as, you know, more of the, obviously the number two tight end now. So he needs to take steps forward. So I guess you could say that the, you know, the second tight end, the third tight end with Carlson, that's kind of a question mark too, unless you feel good about them like I do. But um, yeah, I think the right guard position is the obvious one. Most of the other players, I think, fit in the scheme pretty well. Yeah, um, Carlson's Carlson's interesting. I think you know because you know you look just look at the tight end position as a whole last year. Um, obviously, he wasn't a name anywhere, and then obviously, you know, just continued to make rounds for himself enough where at least this regime chose to essentially keep him over Ricky Seals Jones. Um, that could be closer than some believe, but I do think you know, and this is what I do like about Najoku coming back. Look, it's not a knee he's coming back; it's not an ankle he's coming back from. So you hope all the athleticism is there, and now you put him in a spot where he is, you know. If you are, you know, going, you know, 12 personnel, um, he's going to be the fifth option on the field, which, you know, I, I don't exactly know how you're going to defense that. But most of the times that should be a mismatch for David Najoku, obviously just consistency. And we need him to start playing more of the second half of 2018, as opposed to you know, the little of what we saw of David in 2019. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I think the talent's there. He showed it after uh, after Hugh Jackson got fired in 2018, I think is. I think he graded out as the sixth best tight end in the NFL the rest of that season if you just go by PFF grades. So, yeah, he definitely 
you know, he produced big time. He only had one drop during that eight game span, I believe it was. So, yeah, I mean, all the talent in the world, still a really young guy. I'm looking forward to him in that complimentary role. But obviously, he didn't have the year he wanted last year. Um, Some of that was kind of fluky with the injury and the way that happened. But yeah, I think he's in store for a good season. I just want him to make sure that I want him to buy into doing all the little things all the time, you know, the blocking, the attention to detail in that area, attention to detail with route running, um, just all those little things, making sure that he's on his P's and Q's when it comes to using the jugs machine after practice and all the professionalism type things that I don't know, maybe that stuff the wrong way. I have no idea how that all panned out. Obviously there were issues there with them, maybe regardless of who the players were, but um you know, I think he's in for a bounce back season, but uh, that remains to be seen. And yeah, some people are high on him. Some people aren't. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's nice when you have, you know, somebody with all that athleticism and all that talent and, you know, essentially in the pecking order, it's going to be lower down. So it's going to be definitely uh, hopefully bounce back for him and how you can use him because, you know, uh, he the athleticism fits the role that they're you know, planning to use him in here. Uh, we're going to get some more here with Brandon, start to switch it up a little bit of the defensive side of the ball. You know, obviously maybe we'll talk a little tackle at 10, which everybody likes to, uh, the cup du jour. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons, a fantastic player guys, but we got to stop with that one, man. I wish everybody could go to work. So those, <laughs> those questions on Twitter could stop. Um, whether it's the Google Home um, or Alexa, ask it to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news. Um, on Google Home, you'll get five-minute uh, segments. you get one-minute segment. Just shorter factual stuff about new players coming in, uh, moves the Browns are making, you know, obviously the Haslam's you know, donating $1.5 million the other day, uh, that type of stuff. So Google Home, ask it to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news and have me come at you in another shorter, you know, quicker format. Uh, as it's gone on here defensively, Brendan, um, in you look, it's two linebackers out the door. Obviously, you brought one in here. It's hard to think that they're putting much faith into the linebackers as more as it is we're going to go, you know, heavy on secondary. You know, looks to be their, you know, plans are going to be towards, you know, building more on the defensive line here how do you handle this? I mean, you know, cause it is a transition linebacker for years was one of the most important positions on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, there's a lot of theories now and philosophies now where you kind of just scheme around it. And if you got a, you know, 228 pound safety, who's, you know, legitimately faster than a 240 pound linebacker, you'll just play the safety there. Oh yeah. I think that that's something that they're going to look at. Um, they, obviously have to keep adding to the safety room and that's that's a big priority in the linebacker room as well but um, when they signed BJ Goodson I thought it was pretty clear that that's a player that's not going to be on the field on pass downs very much you know, he's a rundown player I expect him to compete with Sione Takitaki at Mike um, but either way between those two I think there's a chance that neither of those players are really well suited to be on the field on pass downs and so yeah as you alluded to <clears throat> you know you take that third or fourth safety that you want to have on the field if you have enough talented versatile ones and put them in the box especially on pass downs and now you have a much better cover player closer to the line of scrimmage that can you know play in those underneath zones and uh, match up with running backs and tight ends over the middle of the field and I think that that just it really helps you from a matchup standpoint I know that was something the Chiefs did last year midway through the season that really kind of turned around their season defensively just enough to get them to the Super Bowl was you know, they had um, one of their linebackers 
forget exactly which one it was, but he was a big liability in coverage midway through the season. So what they started doing was taking him off the field in past situations, putting a third safety on the field um, and matching them up with running backs. And it immediately turned around there like, I think it was passer rating given up to running backs or, you know, just efficiency giving up to running backs in the past game, I believe, and as well as tight ends that really helped them match up. And it's something you're seeing more and more with teams. Uh, the key is just having a playable third or fourth safety to have on the field in those situations that can handle enough of the run fit stuff in the box, as well as handling the coverage responsibilities. Um, as far as well linebacker, um, I think, you know, obviously there's big questions with Mac Wilson. I mean, he showed flashes as a rookie, but nothing was really consistent, like play in, play out, week in, week out. Um, they, I think they need competition for that position. I would love to see them pick up Nigel Bradham on a, you know, one or two year deal and free agency. I just think that he's a very good cover player that could give them a lot of good snaps and good play at, at will, especially on pass downs. But, but yeah, linebacker and safety are both positions where, it's a priority going into the draft. It's probably even a priority right now as they look at who is still available in free agency. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a situation where we don't see much, you know, standard personnel groupings from this from this defensive staff. I think that they're going to be very creative with their usage of linebackers and safeties and trying to have speed and cover players on the field all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, because I mean, you're going to look at maybe essentially. Um, you know, you'll have one theory of what how you're going to try to counteract Baltimore a couple times a year, but I mean, for the rest of it, and obviously the AFC, it's you know, for most of them, it's bombs away. So you know, the only way to you know counter athletes is, I mean, the only way to you know take care of athletes is countering with athletes. So there's that theory, and it's more and more on how we're getting to these uh 41, 38, almost three hour and forty five minute Sunday affairs. <laughs> um. Of the guys signed on the defensive side of the ball, you know, some interesting names. Um, you, you do love the fact that it's almost, you know, pretty much all the same. Uh, you know, all, all these guys coming in off first, year, you know, uh, first contracts. You know, you get really young with a Billings at 24, but for the majority, you're talking about guys 26, but everybody, you know, significantly under 29 years old. Some of the guys brought in on de- on defense so far. You know, what what opens your eyes, Brandon? What, what do you say? Okay, now that's an interesting fit. Um, I'm really excited about Andrew Billings. Um, I. You know, I'm one of the few that's kind of been down on Larry Ogunjobi the past two seasons. Um, he's been the lowest graded defensive tackle. It's played 80% of snaps each of the past two seasons, and the margin is not close. So clearly he has just not played well if you go by the PFF grades. Uh, I've heard that this defensive coaching staff was pretty disappointed when they looked at the way he played last year. So that kind of aligns with the grades. So people assuming that he's going to start over Billings, I think I think that's a really questionable assumption. Uh, Billings has been a much more solid player recently. I know that he's played, you know, less snaps than Ogunjobi did, but it's, I think last season it was only like maybe a hundred less snaps over the course of the season. Um, But regardless, I think that the smaller load for Ogunjobi, you'll really benefit him like he did. You know, he only played 300 snaps his rookie year, looked really good spelling Danny Shelton that season. I'm hopeful that maybe he can play four or 500 snaps this upcoming year with Billings being more of the, starter that takes the majority at nose Richardson obviously still starting at three technique I think that really benefits that room benefits the rotation um just all allows all three guys to stay fresher I'd even love to see them draft another guy that could spell Richardson a little bit better at three technique because they're kind of bare at the position outside of those three and also looking ahead to next year 
all three of those guys might be free agency or from now because they're probably going to have to get out of Richardson's contract and the other two guys are in contract years. So if they don't extend Billings or one of these guys during the middle of the season, they're going to be in a situation where they, where defensive tackles a dire need a year from now. So um, yeah, drafting a guy there is a good idea. Um, the other, other big ones, probably just Carl Joseph, um, just a very talented player. He's been injured a lot. So that's the big question mark with him but he seems to be a class act just from what I've seen reporters from Oakland talk about him. Uh, clearly very talented player. I think that what happened was there was a regime change with Oakland uh, that he wasn't their guy. And also all the injuries kind of piled up over time. They decided to move on, but he's the type of player that I could see being extended in Cleveland as well. If he can just have a, a season this year where he stays healthy, plays solid ball, I think he's he's a very versatile guy that can play strong safety, free safety. He can play down in the box. He can cover the slot a little bit or co- cover flex tight ends that uh, flex out from the from the box. So I feel good about both those signings. I, I like what they've done on defense with adding just solid players that have played. That's what I have been talking about with defense recently is just get a bunch of solid players. You know, you don't need a bunch of stars necessarily. You just need solid players to piece your defense together. Guys that can cover guys that can rush the passer um, guys that are okay enough against the run. I think that's the key with building this defense. And that's what I like about all the signings Browns have made. I think all the players have played solid ball recently. And I think that'll take their defense. um, That'll give their defense a chance to get to the next level from how they were last year, where, they had a lot of guys that I would view as black holes last season where, de- where offenses could just take advantage of them right and left. Um, you can't have a bunch of guys like that on the field all at once. You need to just have solid players across your defense to have a good unit. Well, I mean, you can't go through the last month of the season with uh, two defensive ends that you signed off the street in like week 10. Um, mm-hmm. and usually, it's usually not a recipe for uh, any success whatsoever. So obviously, you know, depth is something that, you know, Obviously, certainly came out to bite them last year in the ass, but this year I think that's what their their goal is. And while BJ Goodson may not be you know a household name, you know there's a resume to him. Um, you know, even Kevin Johnson again, obviously another one with health. Um, and uh, you know, with the two safeties, Sandejo and jo- Joseph, um, when they have played, they've played well. Um, so this is what you want. And now, and we've talked about this a little bit here too. None of these signings on defense. You look at the offensive side of the ball, and obviously, you know, we'll get to ten here in a little bit. But outside of 10 and what's ever going to finish off that offensive line, most of it here, you're going to just go and look back at defense. And for almost every free agent signing they made, it's not going to be a shock, Brandon, when they go and take yet another linebacker. Uh, Like you said, another defensive tackle, another safety, another corner. I mean, this could be a draft where it's maybe offensive tackle at 10, and that could be it on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it could be. Um, I think – you know, I would I would definitely strongly consider a wide receiver on day two and maybe early day three because I think that's a position as well where they're going to have trouble keeping Landry and Beckham together long term, just contract wise. I think that's going to be a challenge. And also, like I said earlier, you need a talented third guy. Both those guys are rehabbing right now. You know, it's hard to say when they'll be back. So you need a talented third receiver. But other than that. And and I agree with you. It's possible they won't go in that direction. But I think other than offensive tackle and wide receiver, I think it's going to be a very heavy defensive draft. Um, just really just stockpiling, you know, depth and 
talent and just solid guys that just project as solid players across the defensive side of the ball is important. Um, I agree with you that any position could get hit on, uh, you know, defensive tackle, edge, linebacker, safety, nickel, corner, any of them, you know, any position on defense is, you know, the Browns could use players. And I think, you know, going into last year with all the hype that some people gave them. And I remember some of the quotes, people saying, Oh, this roster has no holes. This roster. Has, well, that, that was ridiculous first of all, but also if you looked at the depth, a lot of the depth was huge question marks. And, um, and there was also even starters that had huge question marks as well. And we saw that on the field when, when the season began. So I think shoring up that side of the ball with more draft picks, couple more free agent signings would go a long way to just getting the defense back to average that that's what I have been saying should be their goal uh there's a saying that Steve Palazzolo came up with at PFF and it's just creep back towards average the Browns defense last year the the grade at the end of the season and this is for the for the totality of the season this isn't just the end of the season when backups were playing but they struggled they had bad grades early in the year too the defense graded out at 28th in the league in overall grade. A lot of guys underperformed from week one on. It was a it was a year-long thing with certain players like Wilson, Ogunjobi, Greedy Williams, um, Whitehead, who played 500 snaps in the first eight weeks of the season. You know, Burnett was not good in coverage, even if he was okay all around. Uh, Schobert underperformed. There was a lot of guys that underperformed last year. So getting the defense, just creep back toward average. Get to 16th. Cover, you know, get – Get to coverage. Get your coverage grade as a unit just back to like between 12 and 18. That'll go a long way. I, I've been saying the same thing on the offensive line. Just get the offensive line back to average. Just get to between 12th and 16th. If you can just get to that and Baker Mayfield turns around, turns it around the season, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. I really believe that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. And cause you know, that's what you can equate it to almost to, you know, towards the end of 18, it was like, nothing was like, strictly like bell ringing, but it was good enough. And they kept themselves into positions. And then obviously a key break here, um, you know, key break there where, you know, Baker hits a couple of, you know, great throws. And, you know, that's how you win football games. You have that guy to overcome, you know, the fact that not everything is perfect. um, But when everything is low and underachieving like last year, which, you know, and again, I think, you know, we all kind of, you know, everybody, you know, I think we all have some guilt in this as far as drinking some of the Kool-Aid, so to speak. But, you know, as far as what exactly went down last year, I don't think anybody was quite ready for that. We'll talk here a little bit. Pick 10, Jeff Lloyd, Brandon Leister, uh, locked on Browns. Um, it is Wednesday. Um, so my favorite females, uh, the ladies over at That's What B Said, uh, latest podcast is up. Check it out. Obviously, you know, girls having their own fun and their own unique twist to covering the sports world right now, which is non-existent. So make sure you check out whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes. Uh, the ladies uh, from That's What B Said, go ahead. Give it a run. Now, Brendan, um, at pick 10 here, and this is, and for everybody who wants to go a different route, I guess, whatever, but it's very rare where you are in the need of a, a premium position. And even at 10, because normally at 10, you'd be like, wow, this is this is the tough spot to get, you know, whether it's the edge rusher, whether it would be the quarterback, whether it would be the left tackle. This class kind of just almost fell into their lap at the left tackle position. And it is, it's crazy deep. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, you could go 13, 14 guys who possibly, you know, look like, you know, future potential starters, but you get 
the right side handled. You get Conklin handled. And I've, I'm with you. I'm trying to do so much better than this. Just saying tackle, not saying right tackle, not saying left tackle. Um, but 10 overall, it's an interesting group. Who excites you the most? Uh, the two that excite me the most are definitely Tristan Wirth and Andrew Thomas. Um, I like both those guys a lot. I think they'd be great fits for the Browns at left tackle. Um, I, I'm going to say right tackle, left tackle, because I don't believe they would move Conklin sides. And all no, these no, guys no, no, coming no. out have experience playing the left side. So even with Wirfs, like people have looked at the clips from this past season saying right tackle, but like he's played left tackle in the past. He's, he's moved, moved around. So I think this player they take at 10 or in a trade back potentially, I think that'll, you know, that player will play left tackle. I don't see them messing with Conklin. Um, there's too much risk with free agent signings when teams mess around with guys' positions and and those types of things. You know, there's enough risk with just changing the, uh, you know, the environment the player plays in, the player, the environment the player has succeeded in the past four years. So I think they'll keep Conklin at right. But yeah, I, I like it. Uh, Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas. I think they're both great fits for the wide zone scheme. Both project well in pass protection. Um, feel good about both of them. If they were to trade back, I think. Uh, Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland are both guys that intrigue me, depending on how far back they move. Um, you know, as far as Jedrick Wills, I think I'm kind of just like, I don't know. I'm like open to it. If they take him, I'm, I'm in, but I'm, I don't, I don't buy into the fit quite as much as I do with Thomas and Werfs. And I don't buy into his talent quite as much as I do with the other two. And then with uh, Mackay Becton, I'm, not as high on him. I hope that he goes before 10. Um, I'm just not a not as big a fan. I think it's a very big projection. I think there's a lot more uncertainty with his evaluation. I think there's a lot larger of a, larger of a range of outcomes with him where I could see him, you know, yeah, people talk about the huge upside, but, you know, at the same time, I think there's a huge downside with him too. Um, he just hasn't graded well in pass protection throughout his career. He's had very few um, true pass sets, which is something that at PFF, you know, they've been looking at where they take out screens and boots and play action and all these different things. And then look at the players pass pass protection grade on on just true dropbacks, just real situations where they've actually been tested in pass protection. He has a very small sample of those plays, and he also hasn't graded quite as well on those plays as the other tackles. Um, I just think that it's a bigger question with him. I also question if he's going to you know, maintain the weight that they'll look for in the, in the wide zone scheme being such a huge tackle. Um, just over time with the endurance and having to move so much in practice and in games, I just wonder if they'll even really consider going that route, even though he does move well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they took him, I would hope for the best. I would hope that uh, that Callahan does a great job with him. But I'm, I'm really hoping for Thomas Werfs or a move back to take one of the other guys. Okay, well, with that, and the other thing, and you know, it doesn't get up brought up enough with Beckton is you know six eight near three seventy. It's you know sustainability. How long can that body hold up? Is some of the things yep. I worry about. You know, that's that's a big big body, and you're talking about stress on joints uh, and you know, on hips, knees, and ankles, and not even counting you know some of the stuff on the upper body. And obviously, you know, getting drafted tenth overall and a whole bunch of money, you know, and this would be a guy that's going to have to you know work almost every day to maintain, you know, a playable weight that would be considered good within this system. Obviously, you know, you, you can fluctuate it a little bit due to the fact that he's six foot eight, but you know, it's a lot, a lot of stress on, on a, you know, on a human body. Um, now, all right. At 10, 
if it's Wirfs, if it's Thomas, what would it take for you to get out of 10? Or are you just that solidified that I just need one of these two and we can go take care of the rest? I think it really depends on the deal. You know, it depends on the deal that they would get offered. Uh, it depends on the evaluation of Jones or Cleveland or whoever else they would be interested later in the first round. Um, you know, an extra second round pick might really entice them. If a team were to offer a 2021 first round pick, I think I might even pass on the guy at 10 and take it and move back however many st- spots and hope to still get Cleveland or, or Jones. Um, I think all four of those guys are really good scheme fits. So I think it's important to be open-minded. I think that Andrew Barry would probably say say that too. You know, he I don't think he's a guy that's going to be closed-minded about the situation at all. If so, There's always a price. You know, everybody has a price, every player, every draft pick. There's always a price that, you know, if someone's going to pay up with a ton of picks to move up because they're so overconfident that their guy is going to be a stud at 10 if they trade up there, um, you know, you take the deal, you move back. Um, maybe that player that you passed on turns into a good player, but you can tra- you can draft a bunch of good players later, and that supplements your roster and helps the quarterback long-term and also maybe helps your defense long-term. So I think from a team-building standpoint, it's important to keep all options open. But uh, but as far as the guys at 10 that I'm most interested in, it's definitely Wirfs and Thomas. If they're not there, I would be looking to move out. Um, I would be you know, very intent on moving out probably if neither of those guys are there. But like I said, if Wills is there and they like him a lot, I'm open to that as well. Um, it's just kind of my preference from what I've seen and what I've gathered uh, regarding the profiles of all the different tackles in the class. It definitely shows the possibility, uh, you know, because obviously with you know Jones and with Cleveland um, and the range where you could probably get them, whether it's dropping down, you know, five, 10, maybe 12 picks or whatever accumulating a couple more assets and you know those guys certainly fit the bill of what they're looking for and you know yes it wouldn't be maybe the top tier or the brand names but you're bringing them in a system you know with Callahan you're bringing them in to work next to you know Joel and to work next to JC Shredder and obviously you know established veteran and Chad Conklin you know the, the situation should be good where hopefully you can slip in you know a left tackle in obviously had not spent the premium first round pick on him, but still able to accumulate assets. Like we mentioned, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, another defensive lineman because the defense uh, the interior defensive line is going to dry up quickly. I think the same can kind of be said about the edge class. I think there's top heavy and then there's athletic guys down a couple of rounds lower that you think could maybe have some upside. You know, there's some of what they need on the defensive side of the ball. There's just not a lot of teeth to it. Um, I do think one thing that did help him, though, was I think the linebackers on a whole kind of tested as better athletes than most people kind of anticipated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely seems like a good linebacker class at the top. Um, you know, with like Queen is a guy that I'm really intrigued by. Obviously, um, you know, obviously Simmons is a great athlete. Everybody knows that. I expect him to go in the top 10 at some point. Um, but he, yeah, even Malik Harrison a guy from Ohio state. A lot of the people that listen will know very well. I thought, I think he, he is definitely an option for the Browns, you know, in round two, round three, somewhere in that area, but he tested really well. He ran in the four sixes, I believe, which some people didn't expect for him. Uh, But he, you know, I think he's just a solid Mike linebacker, maybe a guy that you wouldn't have to take off the field all the time, but I think he would really thrive as a two down linebacker. Um, But he, he's a guy that qualifies. I know Willie Gay. I mean, obviously Willie Gay is a, fantastic athlete there's a lot of questions off the field with him Uh, I don't really know 
you know, we're never privy to all that information as far as how that goes. But if the Browns were to sign off on him, um, you know, character wise, I would be very open to him in round three to play well linebacker. I think he'd be a perfect fit for what they're looking for as far as guys that can run, guys that can cover on defense. Um, he would just really bring a different dynamic as a linebacker that ran, you know, in the four fours. That's a pretty unique guy. Um, but yeah, I agree. The linebackers did test very well. Um, uh, Kenneth Murray is another one that tested well as um, also, I, I think, but he did have the injury. Him and Queen both had the injury. Everybody knows those guys are good athletes. So yeah, I agree. I think they're going to have to get their linebacker somewhere in the first three rounds whenever they draft one. Um, and like I said before, hopefully a free agent like Bradham's coming as well to really just fortify that position all around. Yep. And hey, I'm never going to turn down a Florida State Seminole. You know that, Brendan. You know that. <laughs> um, start to put a bow on this here. Um, just thoughts on the offseason to this point. I mean, it's it's been – I mean, I'm still having a hard time, and I'm almost like finding myself a quarter every time. But, uh, you know, like things of saying the name Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just thoughts here on the last week and a half or so to this point. Oh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, him being with Bruce Arians now, I think that'll be a breath of, breath of fresh air for him, uh, just playing for more of a player's coach, a guy that I think he'll have more – I don't know. I'm not going to say that he didn't have a positive relationship with Belichick, but I think you know with Arians, it'll probably be a lot more laid back of a relationship, a lot more um, – maybe guys that uh, – you know, maybe they just co they coexist, maybe on, more on the same level as as humans. Whereas Belichick can just be such a grinder on his players, and you know, we've all heard of the stories about how he would call out Brady in front of the room and say, "Oh, this," you know, just trying to make an example. You know, set a precedent like calling out the the biggest star on the team, the best player. So set an example for the rest of the team to let everybody know, "Hey, I'm gonna." You know, I'm even going to bash the star quarterback, you know, the guy that's got six rings. So um, I think, yeah, I think that relationship with Arians is going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot different from what he's had with Belichick. And I also think that Tampa Bay is a great situation for him, not only because of the offensive weapons they have in place and the coach, but I think also that defense, that defense came a long way last year. They spent last offseason, I think they drafted three or four defensive backs maybe uh, to fortify that back back seven on defense and really try to change the coverage unit. They also obviously drafted Devin, uh, Devin white in the top five last year. So they, they are, were kind of doing similar to what I think the Browns are trying to do right now, or they're just trying to add speed depth coverage to the back end of their defense. And that really turned around their defense last year. So I think the bucks are going to have a good chance to win a lot of games. They're going to have a chance in that division. Uh, obviously the saints are if you look on paper, I would say they're the front runner in the division, but I think the Buccaneers are going to be right there with them. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see if uh, if they're interested in Kareem Hunt. I'm just waiting for the Schefter, waiting for the <laughs> Schefter breaking news. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers give an offer sheet to Kareem Hunt for three years, twenty-seven million or whatever it'll be, and you know, just seeing how that plays out. I think I think they're a team that should have interest in him. It would make sense for both sides, and I think. I think the Browns would be very open to getting another day two pick for him in a trade. And obviously a much longer control, uh, more, you know, uh, contract with more control. Um, certainly a way to go here. And obviously with, you know, Hunt's little minor trans uh, transgressions here in the offseason, maybe not as bigger of an issue 
right now, so to speak, here. Uh, Brendan, been a blast here. Um, you and obviously your wife here. I wish you guys absolute best here. Uh, you know, you know, there's only so much we can do. So hope you guys are comfortable at home. And, uh, you know, obviously your wife out there doing the Lord's work here. God bless her. Um, you know, definitely somebody on the front lines here. So much respect to her. Wish you guys all the best through however long this scenario takes us, I guess. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate that. And good luck to your family as well. Um, just stay safe. Keep your keep your family, your kids safe. Uh, it's a scary time for all of us. And uh, just thanks for having me on today. Had a great time. Okay, guys, make sure you're checking out everything from Brendan at Brandon Leister. Um, obviously, you can check out stuff. He's been updating a little bit here, LeisterFootball.com. Um, obviously, a big part of PFF during the regular season here. And, you know, like many of us right now, kind of, uh, you know, finding our way without football in whatever aspect it is here. The show itself at Locked On Browns, always a follow back account. DMs open. Anything you guys want to put in the show? Like I told you, we got nothing but time right now. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Send a follow over there. DMs are open. Anything, again, stuff you want to put in the show, you got ideas, you just want to chat. Certainly do have the free time as of now. Um, wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Drop those ratings. Drop those reviews, please. And thank you very much. Until we talk the next time, appreciate you all for being lo- oh, why you're locked in, being locked on. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.